It's been six months since COVID-19 was declared a global and national emergency, and the majority of our country was told to stay and work at home. Leaders who've been regularly asking their team to answer the question, what now, continue to lead, innovate, and pivot their organization to the forefront of their industry. Using this crisis to focus attention where it matters, that's what we're talking about in today's podcast. Welcome, I'm Kelly McCauley, producer of the Director's Cut podcast for Corporate Directors Forum and president of McCauley & Company, where we help good leaders become great through high-impact executive coaching and results-driven leadership programs. Today, our esteemed guest is Michael Farrell, known as Mick, who is CEO of ResMed, where they are leading the way in cloud-connected medical devices that transform care for people with sleep apnea, or as Mick says, sleep suffocation, <laughs> COPD, plus other chronic diseases, and keeping them out of the hospital. Mick, thank you for joining us today to talk about what you and your team have learned about giving attention to what matters most at ResMed. Kelly, really happy to join you here. Thanks for having me on your podcast. So before we dive in, here's some additional details about Mick Farrell, ResMed CEO since 2013. He also serves as board of director for ResMed, the Advanced Medical Technology Association, and Zimmer Biomed. He also volunteers as trustee for the UCSD Foundation, Radies Children's Hospital, and Father Joe's Villages in San Diego, California. Mick, you were a guest on our CDF April Pivoting Strategies webinar, and we want to learn more. You talked about participating in scenario planning with your team before there was any thought of a pandemic shutting down the world. So what were the most valuable outcomes of that process that laid the foundation for ResMed's lightning fast response to the crisis? Well, Kelly, it's, it's a great question, and uh, I'll try to be brief in the answer because it's been six months, and in COVID time, feels like maybe six years or longer um, that, that's been going on. But right at the start of this crisis, we, we saw it. We're a respiratory medical company, and we have operations in Suzhou, China, just outside Shanghai. I call it sort of the Silicon Valley for medical devices and digital health in China. And that uh, part of ResMed, uh, Curative, is the name of that uh, subsidiary. Curative saw this demand signal coming from Wuhan, China, where there was just this dramatic tripling, quadrupling, quintupling of demand for ventilators, particularly invasive ventilators, but also non-invasive ventilators. And so we saw that demand and we said, what's going on to the CEO of our China business? And Jason said, look, this looks like it might be as big as SARS-CoV-1, in those days just called SARS back in 2003. And so we modelled a ramp up that this might be as big as that and go all over Asia. Quickly, we started to see some of the impact of travel and it getting to Milan uh, and then New York. And so when we saw those signals, we then created a global epidemiology model with the primary start being preservation of life and let's maximise our production to be able to keep up. So when we knew this was now a global emergency, we're going to have to fire up not only our Suzhou manufacturing, our Singapore manufacturing, our Sydney manufacturing, but our whole global supply chain and distribution system. And so to your question directly, we went back to a playbook, a playbook on an emergency response that we'd done just a couple of weeks before the start of COVID. And that was a 
risk profile uh, in the top right-hand uh, corner of our risk profile, uh, because we have 6.5 billion nights of medical data in the cloud and that we have 12 million 100% cloud-connectable medical devices out there in the market, was, was the area of cybersecurity and hackers and privacy and making sure that our, th those data are secure. And uh, it doesn't sound like there's a perfect analogy, really, does it? You know, cybersecurity versus a global respiratory issue but some of the things play out in parallel. We learn things such as forming a PMO early, a project management office, getting those top leaders who can pull together all the information from 140 countries with the model, understanding a supply chain from hundreds of suppliers and make sure that we can maximize ventilator production. An ability to assemble an executive leadership team, a global rhythm that my team, my top team of 12 people can meet on a regular basis to review the PMO and to provide direction and leadership to the, to the global team. To move faster, to do things at speeds that we never have before, to take a tiny little single digit part of our business, which was making these ventilators, particularly for hospitals, and focusing the whole company on that single digit percentage and, and multiplying it by 3x, 4x, 5x and beyond. And then to stretch our minds with new ideas, you know, and as Aristotle said, if you stretch your mind with a new idea, it never returns to its original size. And so I see on the other side of this crisis, Kelly, we've learned things that are going to actually help the company go forward and, and move our strategy, our 2025 strategy, even earlier and even faster. Well, that's a perfect segue to this next question, which is while you're reflecting back, you know, what are the most important lessons that you and your team are learning from this type of response to the pandemic? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of lessons. I mean, firstly, the crisis has, it's done three things that are very important for, for ResMed. Number one is it's shown the importance of respiratory medicine. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if I'd asked you, Kelly, in December 2019 and said, what's the most important organ in the human body and therefore what medical devices are, are, are most critical? You might have said the heart, and then you would have jumped to heart valves from Edwards Life Sciences or pacemakers from Medtronic. Um, and I pushed you and say, no, 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 not the heart. Pick another organ. You might say, okay, um, how about the brain? And then stroke, <laughs> prevention of stroke. And then maybe it's, it's uh, devices that, that are providing stimulation to the brain. Or, and and, uh, and uh, at best, the lungs would have been playing third fiddle in that, in that little orchestra. And... Uh, COVID, as awful as, as it has been, um, has shown that respiratory medicine, particularly communicable respiratory diseases, are incredibly important. And so, therefore, respiratory medicine has jumped to the forefront. And that's, you know, uh, they say don't waste a crisis. And, and sadly, this crisis has been horrible. Many, many millions, tens of millions of people affected and will be affected. Many, many people have died. But importance of respiratory medicine is now at the top. Digital health, the importance of digital health. You know, another lesson we learned is we, we've had a seven-year play in uh, what I call a reverse Amazon, right? A hardware company becoming a software company versus Amazon was a software company created the Kindle hardware so they could sell more software books. ResMed was a medical device manufacturer, a hardware company that through putting communications tech in that hardware became a software company and really a software-driven digital health med tech company. And that importance of digital health, which we've had for seven years in our strategy and do have huge plans over the next five years for our 2025 strategy, became suddenly more important. 
Kelly, an interaction like this is now how doctors in primary care are interacting with their patients at many healthcare systems, not just in the United States, but around the world. So telehealth, remote patient monitoring, population health management from databases. So that's a lesson that we learned is that part of our long-term strategy could be applied immediately during the crisis. We actually brought forward software that was planned to come out you know, later this year to write in there in the midst of the crisis to be able to get there. And the third and final lesson that we learned is the importance of out-of-hospital health care. You know, 95% of ResMed's revenues are outside the hospital. A lot of people call the area we operate in post-acute care. We don't call it that because post-acute care implies that you went to hospital to acute care and then you went out, you were checked out, and then they take care of you. No, we call it out-of-hospital health care because we don't believe you have to go to the hospital to get that good direction for home care skilled nursing facilities, life plan communities, hospice, you know, home, home care through private duty and home medical equipment and so on. So there's sort of three lessons we learned around the, the market. And what's great for that is it allowed us to accelerate our strategy towards 2025 and maybe bring it forward to 2024, 2023, which is, you know, we impacted 100, 111 million lives in the last 12 months, 16 million with a physical product, a, a, a CPAP or a ventilator or a mask system, but 90 million with a digital health platform product. So whether it's an app that's reminding you to take your COPD or your asthma medications, or it's a whole enterprise management system for home care so that you can get delivered home medical equipment, or you can have home nurses arrive in your house uh, managed by that group. And so we look at that and say, we changed 111 million lives in the last 12 months. Our goal is to grow that at double digits, uh, you know, teens rate on a compound annual growth uh, rate. And that'll get us to impact 250 million lives by 2025. And that's our 2025 strategy. I think COVID has accelerated uh, importance of respiratory medicine and accelerate the importance of digital health and accelerate the importance of out of hospital healthcare. So I'm challenging my team to say, I think we can hit some of those targets earlier and faster. And let's use the awful nature of this crisis to actually bring better, more scalable digital healthcare to sleep apnea, COPD and asthma patients worldwide. Yeah, that's such wonderful news. I'm going to add another thing because you talked about it during pivoting strategies, which was your ability to connect with more people in your organization. And you talked about your engineers, some that you really didn't have a great relationship with because just there's so many of them. And talk about that, how you used communication early on to calm people down, get them focused and, you know, keep them working hard. Yeah, you know, you know, it's really interesting because, look, look I, I had a prejudice uh, before uh, COVID-19, a prejudice against WFH. I thought work from home was an excuse to sit by a swimming pool or in a ski resort or in a, uh, uh, a home and you know, type the odd email to make it look like you're working, but really not working from home. And one thing that I've learned is we pivoted uh, 65% of our global team. The 35% that didn't, uh, you know, they're, they're, the, they're the ResMed heroes. They're people who are doing supply chain operations, manufacturing, distribution, technical service, even frontline service in an ICU or CCU hospital setting up a ventilator. I mean, those are the heroes. That 35% of ResMedians were heroes in this. But 65% of us had to, you know, literally on Thursday, March 12th, we're told, hey, by the way, Monday, you're going to be 100% working from home. 
And so we pivoted our whole group, 65% to do that. And, you know, as we had in a previous recording of this, there can be problems with home Wi-Fi. And for us earlier, it was cutting out halfway through a podcast for um, communications across a group of 7,500 Resmedians. It becomes critical infrastructure. And we were able to do it. Like 72 hours later, the, the, the digital health technology team and the information technology team are absolute uh, um, uh, supermen and women out here at Resmed to be able to do that. And, and across many, many industries. So after they've done that, to your point... I felt, um, you know, stuck here in my little home office that I am now so constrained and, and I'm an extrovert. I like to communicate, whether it's at the cafeteria, as I'm in an elevator, walking past someone in the water cooler or the coffee machine. And what we've turned this into is now a global, scalable, digital communication system that has a global water cooler, which is our Microsoft Yammer, um, a, a global town hall system, which is, you know, I, I'm tomorrow going to be doing a live webinar with everybody in the Americas, so United States down to Brazil, all, all North and South America, and all of Asia on one call where it's called Ask Mick Anything. And AMA, and they can literally ask any question through, you know, through anonymous or direct name things, and it gets liked or disliked all the way up and down. And the top, you know, net promoter score numbers, the likes minus the dislikes, gets to the top, and I answer all those questions. That allows me to communicate to 3,000 people in one go, and then 3,000 people in Europe uh, and, and the East Coast uh, the next week. And I look on that sort of scalability of saying, okay, we've got a crisis. You can't travel. You can't get on a plane. You know, as we were talking earlier, I was 50 to 70% of the time on the road, on a plane, um, visiting people in Munich or Lyon or Singapore or, or Beijing. Now I'm doing that digitally and scalably. And yeah, to your little anecdote there that I, I had shared, engineers who I hadn't met uh, in Singapore because they weren't there the day I was coming through the plant and did in all hands, are now not only have I met them, I've had conversations with them over our public Yammer system and then some of them have gone to sort of private texts or emails and phone calls. And so I hope it's scaled my ability to communicate from global headquarters in San Diego, California to a global team of 7,500 Resmedians. And I think we over-communicated with videos and directions and firstly, stay calm, but like secondly, think differently, stretch your minds, listen to the PMO because we need to go save lives. And we produce... 150,000 ventilators from January 1 to June 30. These things are used multiple times. We probably, together with obviously the nurses and the respiratory therapists, the, the frontline clinical heroes from our customers, we probably improved many hundreds of thousands of lives because these ventilators are used multiple times. And I, I've got to tell you, at the end of this crisis, we've learned a lot. We've accelerated our strategy. We've learned how to deal with crises better. We've learned how to communicate digitally better. But the best feeling that any Resmedian has in these six months is that we kept people breathing while a virus was trying to suffocate them. And if their immune system was over, able to overcome that, then we are um, part of the process of saving lives. And I've got to tell you, for, for, for a company that's a for-profit company, when you can overlap uh, profit with altruism, that's the beauty. And in healthcare, we get to do it every day. And during this crisis, we were actually able to not only do something about it, but to do something that was was vitally important, you know, with, with sitting presidents mentioning our company name as part of a Defence Production Act, with ministers from health in Germany and Singapore and Australia calling us up. And I had direct conversations with some of these folks. And, you know, uh, I didn't like getting woken up by a US Army 
colonel at 7am on Sunday morning, but he was talking, he was from FEMA and HHS had asked him, this army colonel, to, to make sure these ventilators got to New York City and he was going to make that happen. And when I spoke to him, I, I promised him we'd deliver and we delivered 2,550 ventilators for that stockpile. We, they were on time, on delivered. None of our contracts were cancelled because we didn't have over-contracting or over-ordering. $32 million contract signed in April, delivered already here in September. It's already done and in the stockpile. And if there is a second or third wave, FEMA will be able to take care of people here in the US. Same thing in Germany, same thing in Australia, Singapore and beyond. And I, I got to tell you, I was thrilled to see how we could not only scale our comms and scale our community, but scale our business in an area that was small for us to deliver for an emergency. And now that we're on the other side of those peak curves and so on, let's get back to our core business. Let's get back to helping people sleep better, breathe better and live better lives outside the hospital. Whew, you got me inspired. So, so t again, you gave me a great tee up for my next question, which, you know, the future is still uncertain. So clearly not at ResMed, but, but, you know, we're seeing a lot of leaders dealing with helping their leaders and their teams stay focused and avoid pandemic fatigue. Any insights or thoughts on what you're doing or do you even need to do that given You've got such a, the purpose is so compelling and now you're back to business, not as usual, but business exponentially more, but in your normal realm. Yeah. And, and as you said, it's not business as usual yet because I mean, there were double digit declines in the number of patients coming through. And so even though Germany might be sort of 85, 90% back to pre-COVID levels, You've got other countries like China and others with a harsh sort of second wave lockdowns that are still only 50% of their pre-COVID levels. But every week and every month we're seeing progress and, and, and societies are learning and nations are learning how to open up slowly and steadily and manage in this, in this new abnormal world, which will be forever different in some good ways around digital health for us and, and, and in respiratory medicine importance and out of hospital healthcare, but in other ways, you know, a struggle because it, it takes time to get there. To your point about organisational fatigue, well, look, we do. It's almost like, you know, I've never been a firefighter or an EMT in an ambulance, but my bet is after the fire is out, there's a feeling of satisfaction. We put that fire out, we save some lives, we save property, but then it's sort of like, oh, well, what am I going to do today? You know, go have a shower and shave and go put, the, put the suit on and go and stand in the fire department waiting for the next one. There's a little bit of that. Like we were super important during the crisis for all these ventilators. Now we're going to ramp that down and we're going to ramp back to what we always did, which is helping people with sleep apnea, with COPD or lung disease and with asthma um, and in, in their, all their needs for out-of-hospital health care. And so there is that, that fatigue around... Okay, fought the crisis. Now we're back to business in the new normal. What are we going to do and how are we going to do it? Look, I, I think the best way, and I, I was just having my, my global team meeting, uh, which has gone from a cadence or, or a rhythm of, of every 90 days to now every 30 days because it's Zoom and, and we can always line it up. We don't have to fly everybody to Singapore or San Diego or Munich. Um, but we're thinking through that, you know, we just had a major organizational change where we brought two, two sort of divisions together and we're going through this digital transformation where we're trying to bring artificial intelligence and machine learning to every part of our business, not just to our supply chain and to our customers, but also to, to our work teams and how we think. Um, and I, I do worry about it. You know, I worry about it in my personal sense. I, I'm, uh, actually looking at some of our online wellness programs where we're helping coach people around 
you know, simple stuff like Zoom time management is different to time management before. You know, you have to actually schedule lunch now. You have to actually schedule, for me, walk the dog with my beautiful wife, you know, and, and Lisette and I have had some of the best. There have been some blessings that have come from the sufferings of COVID. I, I am closer to my wife in terms of our, our conversations every day. I'm closer to my teenage daughter and um, throwing a football with my teenage son. And I, I, I think those things have been great. But on the other hand, I think my family would like me out of the house, you know, maybe not 70% of the time, but 30% of the time. And so we've opened up, we call it phase 1A here in San Diego. I'm now going to the office some Tuesdays and Thursdays because, the, you know, we have the rolling floors. That, that floor is open. We all check in with temperature, wear masks, keep distance. But it's a new normal and we're, we're okay to get back there. And so I talk to my team about that, about what I'm doing personally. I share that with them and um, our wellness experts share it with people. And, and we also have a lot of online learning where people are learning how to, to work with uh, the sort of post-trauma fatigue and then how to get back to business. And then also a lot of us are thinking, you know, how's healthcare going to be different? How can we think ahead of the competition to make sure that we turn this temporal change into something that, that gives us sort of strategic advantage and, and also provides uh, incredible value for our customers. And so all of that's going on in parallel, but Kelly, it's every industry is going to be different. All your listeners are going to have different ways of, of finding their way back to growth. You know, hardest hit industries in sort of, retail sales and, and restaurant businesses and transportation businesses, mostly for entertainment versus product are all decimated cruise ship industries. Yeah. They've got the hardest, they had the, the lowest low and they're going to have the hardest way out. Uh, we saw that we sort of had a little bit of tailwinds through some of the hardest times. And so I, I say to our team, look, we, we, look around you. We're incredibly lucky to be where we are. Let's use this luck to turn, um, you know, the cash flow that we got through this crisis into incredible investments in digital transformation to make sure that we are the lead providing value to our customers, the ultimate customer, the patient, but also the doctors, the providers and healthcare systems worldwide. Yeah. And, you know, the way that you connect with people and doing it on such a massive scale, I think that's so helpful because you're so authentic, you're so transparent, you're so excited, you're so proud of what you're all doing and and the good it's doing in the world so i'm imagining you know you bringing that magic to the the resmedians as you call them is has been super helpful helpful you know you talked about one of my favorite quotes during this time which is let's not waste this crisis and you and your team at resmed are showing us exactly how that works so mick i wanted to say thank you so much for giving us a look inside resmed and how that's being done. Thanks a lot, Kelly. It's been great to be on your podcast. And uh, I just want to send uh, a note of thanks out to all the frontline workers who set up our ventilators. They're the ones who save the lives and to everybody on the call because all industries have come together here. I've never seen such a sense of community across industries as I've seen uh, during this crisis. And I, I just want to thank everyone for all that they're doing to get us through this crisis, but also to help us get to the, to, the, to the other side with new insights and uh, new innovation. Absolutely. If you want to learn more about Mick Farrell and ResMed, do visit their website, which is resmed, R-E-S-M-E-D.com. So not only did I check it out, I got stuck there because I found it fascinating and I was watching a snoring video <laughs> for someone in the house. Anyways, um, to subscribe to more podcasts like this, please visit macaulayandco.com forward slash podcast. You can also check out our online blueprint for high-performing leaders self-study program for your team. 
and to learn about critical board member issues, challenges, and solutions like those brought up in today's podcast, go to directorsforum.com. Until next time, we wish you the best on positively impacting the organizations you lead.